0: Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to
1: Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee.
0: Welcome to Frisbee's Balls and Bears with me, Jordan, Frisbee. You can subscribe to the show by clicking on the subscribe via email button on the left hand side of your screen. And then every time I upload a new show, you will be notified in your inbox. It's my pleasure to welcome uh, to today's programme two great friends of mine and two old guests of the show, if you like. The first up, we have Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis is an an economist and a uh, wealth manager. Uh, He's in charge of Jonathan Davis Wealth Management. Hello, Jonathan. How are you doing?
2: Um, It's lovely to be here, Dominic. I'm really great. Um, And for once, I can say it's not freezing. (laughs)
0: Good stuff. It is a lovely mild day today. And uh, I'm also speaking to Mike Hampton. Mike is in London. Michael Hampton is a private investor and an author. And again, another old favourite of the show, Michael. Hello. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well and enjoying the London weather today.
0: Excellent stuff. Now, um, we, have, we had a bit of a correction in the markets yesterday. The Dow was down by about 50 points or so, but gold was absolutely hammered. Gold was down by, at one stage, almost $100 on the day. And um, Jonathan and Micah, um, we're going to start by discussing the markets generally. And before the show began, Jonathan, you said that you thought we might have hit some kind of, of turn. Um, so why don't we start w- with that?
2: Well, yes, I did say that. Of course, <clears throat> as with everything, no, nothing's guaranteed or, or definite, but um I I have been watching um um these markets daily, um <laughs> perhaps hourly, I don't know, um for the past few weeks. And um w- when I look at um say the the FTSE or the uh, um or, or or the transports or the uh, the Russell 2000 Um, I have not seen any advancement for literally four weeks now. Um, And I've been seeing these internal indicators like the MACD, the stochastics, the uh, RSI, all that kind of stuff um, at really extreme levels. And uh, I've been thinking to myself, this is going to burst pretty soon. And I just do have the view that yesterday... Um, with the announcement of um, the ECB's uh, LTRO number 2, and who knows what uh, ISDA uh, today say about uh, whether or not Greece is actually defaulting. (laughs) Goodness knows how they get away with saying that uh, so far they haven't defaulted, but that's uh, uh, the shenanigans that these guys get up to. Um, Yes, I I think there's a big change um, happening now. I think it started yesterday. I think um, March is going to be a significant down month. I'm not saying that we're going to be going down all the way now to the end of the year, um, because it could well be like 2011, where we had a down, then an up, and then a big down. Or indeed, it could be down all the way to the end of the year. One final point, I do think that this year is going to be a very big down year.
0: Very good. Jonathan, uh, thank you for that. Michael, over to you. We have, by the way, next week the PDAC, which is the biggest mining conference in the world. And every year, like clockwork, we seem to have a huge correction around about the time that the PDAC happens. Is this just a a normal seasonal correction, Mike, a a little 5% pullback in a bull market, or is it uh, something bigger than that?
1: Well, I think it could be something bigger. Uh, what, What was interesting about yesterday was the high volume. Um, and also it was at what's called a wide-ranging bar. Um, There have been bigger drops over the last year, but this particular drop, at least during New York trading hours, uh, which creates the bar, the bars are only actually created uh, during the trading hours, it was the biggest downwards bar that I can find on the charts. So, And and also the average volume uh, in the GLD um, is in the in in the region of about twelve or thirteen million, uh, and this this volume yesterday was over forty million. So for those two reasons, I think the markets announced the gold market has announced that something new and significant is afoot here. Um, it is as you said in the window of the PDAC. It's a little bit earlier. Sometimes the the drops will come during or after the PDAC. This is sort of just before it. Um, so the timing uh, for a drop is about right. Um, and the last thing I want to mention with respect to the gold price is, um, you know, I like to look at charts. And I think one of the interesting charts to look at today, uh, I posted on, on my website, which shows the GLD versus the DBA. And the DBA is an index of uh, agricultural prices. And uh, what's interesting is a lot of the highs and lows in the gold Uh, match up with the highs and lows on the DBA, but uh, gold has really outrun the DBA by quite a considerable margin, and I think it's had an outperformance over the last uh, five years or so of something like 150% uh, relative to the DBA, and uh, I know a lot of people look at gold as a way of preserving wealth and staying ahead of inflation. But I think if the gold bulls are honest, I think they're really hoping and expecting an outperformance beyond inflation. And we've seen that over the last year or two. So maybe gold is due a more significant correction to bring it back in line uh, with some of those other measures of inflation that people seem to have forgotten about, like the agricultural price.
0: Okay. well, Mike, we're going to come. I'm going to come to the general's, the broader stock markets. But let me just defend gold here. Um, uh, You know, Gold's still trading, at, as I'm looking at my screen now, gold's at $1,720 an ounce. Um, it's up, what, 10%, 15% on the year, something like that. began the year at $1,550. Um, if you look at the gold chart, and if you believe in these kind of voodoo things, there's a lot of resistance just between 1800 and it's just a natural place to, for gold to find a correction. It's still in an uptrend. It's tracing out an inverted head-and-shoulders pattern, uh, with the right shoulder at about just below 1800 And, uh, I mean, I just don't see the gold price falling below 1600 from here. I, I, and, you know, my big theory on gold is that we, we got too far ahead of ourselves in September and we're going to be in for it. And from September last year, we're going to be in for a year or 18 months of, of sideways whip action, just as we were after May 2006 and February 2008. So I remain a long-term bull about gold. And uh, I'm, even though yesterday was a big one of those you know, it was a big kahuna of a correction. and There's probably still more to come. I'm still defending gold.
1: Well, I'm long gold, and, I, you know, I buy gold on dips and I sell it on rallies, uh, but retain, a, you know, a, a core gold position. I still have that. But uh, can I just question that a little bit? Um, I, I mean, I do think it's a legitimate argument, but I'd like to just take it a little bit further and say, what do you really expect of gold? Because uh, I think there are two possibilities. One is that, you know, gold is a uh, hedge for inflation. It got way undervalued back in two thousand, two thousand one, and then it reached fair value relative to various inflation measures sometime above a thousand dollars, and let's say now between maybe a thousand and a thousand fifteen, maybe a thousand sixteen. But I think a lot of the gold bulls expect gold to outperform these measures of inflation, and I think that's a legitimate argument provided. Gold becomes a currency, it gains seniorage, it gains uh, preference as a currency ahead of fiat currencies and ahead of other currencies. And I think that's what the gold bulls are really expecting and hoping for and praying for. And, and, you know, it may happen, but it may not. I don't think it's a guaranteed uh, thing. And I have said, and I'm very controversial about this, I seem to be the only person speaking this way, that. You know, I think gold has a role as a wealth preservation, but I don't think that we should really look at it as a currency and, and, and uh, something that we want to pin our currencies to. Because the gold bulls would have us pinning our currency to gold when gold's at some kind of a high, and that would then protect them from a, a cyclical downturn in the gold price. And I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think it's a good thing if it does happen. Dominic. I was going to um, say, Jonathan,
0: what's your take on gold? Yeah.
2: Um, I, I, I would actually very much agree with Mike there. So, in fact, he's not on his own. Um, I, I think that um, the euro is acting now like the 1930s gold standard and pushing the, the EU into depression. Um, so I, I agree absolutely that to go on to a gold standard now would be um, uh, contra-helpful. It wouldn't be helpful at all. In terms of trading gold, um, shortish term, um, in other words, months rather than weeks, I think we have to bear in mind that the dollar, uh, in my view, probably bottomed out for the intermediate term last summer, autumn, And has been rallying hard since then. And I think it's going to soar this spring and summer and maybe autumn. And on that basis, that's the reason why I'm very, very short term on gold for this year. Um, In in the long term, if you look at the long term chart, um, I know there's uh, great problems with, uh, with Elliott Wave Theory. But I I think in the long term, you can probably make a case that uh, 1900 last year on gold um, was actually the end of wave three. And wave four is what we are in since last uh, spring, summer, which could conceivably take us down to the last major high, which was 2008 of 1200. Uh, And certainly my view is that this year we're going to go below 1400? <clears throat> Long term, um, absolutely. I think after the crash that I believe we're going to see this year, there will be yet again massive money printing by various major central banks. Um, that again will create um, inflation in goods and services and gold. I can see in uh, two, three, four, five years at $3,500.
0: I've seen so much Elliott wave analysis not work, but in the gold chart, I can see exactly that pattern that you've described: wave one to May two thousand and six, then a correction, wave three to uh, nineteen hundred, then a correction. Which um, I can, I can, I can see that interpretation. Um, but Mike, let's now get your take on the broader markets, and then Jonathan will come back to you.
1: Yeah, I, I made a forecast a couple of months ago, uh, in you know, end of the year, that we would see a big sell-off this year. Um, And I was particularly worried about Q2, uh, probably the end of Q2 into July. And uh, I still think that's a period of great danger. Uh, The market's performed a little bit better here going into the end of February than I expected. Uh, And, you know, it looks like it's topping out. I agree with Jonathan on that. And, you know, I think we could see some kind of an important low around July and then maybe a rally. Um, and I think it's possible, especially if we get the dollar rally that John's talking about, uh, we could see a very sharp drop in stocks uh, during this downturn. Um, so if we see a sharp, sharp drop into July, there might be some sort of a bottom there. If it's more gradual, then perhaps we will see the, um, the, you know, the more gradual and, and the steady downturn that Jonathan was referring to.
0: Okay. Um, now, Jonathan... Uh, what's the second issue you'd like to talk about today? Um, there were three things you wanted to talk about. One was the stock market, one was the economy, and one was the housing market in the southeast. Should we should we talk about the housing market in the southeast next?
2: Um, by all means, but, but I just want to add, if I may, about the stock market, because okay. I, I haven't really commented fully on that, um, that um, I, I wrote to clients just last week that uh, I think the only reason why the markets haven't totally and utterly collapsed is simply because of uh, European quantitative easing, um, whatever they want to call it, money printing for the last year or two. Um, I don't believe, or should say I do believe, that the markets have not truly priced in Greek default. And I think Greek default is going to happen. And then, of course, immediately behind that is Portugal, and Spain, Ireland maybe again, Italy. Um, we're talking trillions of euros, dollars, whatever, that the global financial system cannot accommodate. Um, in 2008, companies were going bust. Now, countries are going bust. And the fact that the, uh, the US bond market is, uh, is at levels of 2009, and yet the stock market is diametrically opposite. I think the stock market is telling porkies left, right and center. So I, I'm looking at, um, I, I don't know the uh, the the, 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 uh, the route, but I am looking at a 40% fall in the stock market this
1: year from this week. That's interesting. Let me comment on that before we move on to house prices, if, if I may. Um, my target I mentioned before is 850 S&P, so that's uh, yep. That's probably right around what Jonathan has in mind. Uh, if we see that in July, look for that as a bottom. Uh, if we are much higher in July, then maybe it will run on longer. As far as Greece and Europe goes, you know, I agree with what Jonathan, Jonathan said. I think what we've got in Europe right now is we've got some elections, and a game has been played in such a way as that politicians who are still in office uh, have a chance of getting reelected. And the Greeks in particular have stuck their hand out and said, well, do what you want. Give us the money. And they're going to get it. They've gotten it. Um, and they're going to get the uh, the private, uh, the debts um, restructuring haircut that's been talked about. But, you know, moving forward from here, the Greek economy is not going to perform. And the Greeks are going to be in a position where they really have to default because they won't be able to meet the, uh, the uh, now agreed terms. And as Jonathan said, there, there are a couple of countries, maybe three, uh, right behind them, ready to do to uh, go through a similar process.
0: Nasty stuff, right? Let's discuss everyone's favourite subject: the housing market in the southeast. It's been a beneficiary of all the problems overseas. Um, people are buying central London. Overseas buyers are buying central London property for the same reason people buy gold. I think as a kind of hedge against risk in order to get their money uh, offshore. Um, It's been a beneficiary of the weak pound. Uh, This has all meant that we've kind of had a 20% correction in property outside of the M25. And then within kind of zones one and two and maybe three, the housing market's up by about 10%. What what, what do you make of that divergence, Jonathan? Let's start with you.
2: Um, Yeah, that's a fair analysis. I think probably the, um, the, the, the foreign money that's come in has been less about... Um, uh, reducing risk from a financial point of view and probably reducing risk from a political point of view. Um, let's face it, they, they, they hardly have stability um, in much of southern Europe or indeed in the likes of Russia uh, or indeed China. Um, uh, yes, um, quite simply, when, when they bailed out the global financial system in 2009, they bailed out the United Kingdom. Uh, in other words, they, they bailed out uh, the south of England Because the South of England economy is banking. And uh, on top of that, uh, the uh, illustrious um, Mervyn King, a.k.a. Benny Hill, um, slashed um, the interest rate farther and faster than in history to um, what is effectively the lowest interest rate possible. Um, uh, Of course, they cannot do that again. And I find it fascinating that with the lowest interest rates ever, we don't see house prices rising thirty percent a year. In fact, um, as you say, in most of the uh, the southeast of England, prices are actually falling. Um, and in central London, um, I, I, I would disagree that. Uh, Prices are rising in zones uh, two, uh, one, and two, and whatever. Certainly, in absolute central London, then yes, they are. They are. They are very marginally rising. But uh, the rest of London, and certainly in the rest of the southeast, they are falling. Admittedly, marginally, but they are falling with the lowest borrowing costs ever, and that is because uh, banking is now in long-term decline. Last year, globally the global financial industry lost over 200,000 jobs. In the city of London alone, it was 25 to 30,000. That will happen again this year. Bearing in mind last year was before we even had an economic and financial collapse again. Um, so uh, although they will continue to bail out banking for as long as they can get away with it, um, it will not have the same impact um, as the 2009 did thus. Um, London and the South house prices, um, the market has already collapsed in the sense that uh, numbers of transactions are down 40 to 50 percent. And uh, I'm sure Mike will agree that uh, where volumes go, price generally follows.
0: Yeah, I mean, the volumes are just incredible. Um, Mike, uh, over to you.
1: OK, well, um, I, I wrote down some bullet points here. So I'd, I'd like to go through there first before uh, picking up on something Jonathan said. Um, I think there are three positive things that have uh, helped uh, the housing market in the UK. John's mentioned at least one of them. Um, And uh, I'd I'd like to enumerate those. Uh, One of them is very rarely mentioned, but I think it's quite important. And that is that London is the ultimate walkable city in the world. Um, In in some ways, it's better than Hong Kong, which is one of the other good ones. And uh, this is a place where you can live. You don't need a car. You have access to uh, wonderful transportation, most of the time. You have access to uh, wonderful culture. You have a lot of jobs here. And through all that, you don't need an automobile. And uh, although gasoline prices are high and might be going higher, this is quite a wonderful place for people to live. And um, that's an enduring uh, advantage that London's going to have in the future. And I think it's mostly underrated. And the reason I bring that... Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and that's that's actually, um, you know, a good thing because, um, you know, it it, it, it it is a very, very livable place. So the second thing I wanted to mention, which is perhaps not quite so enduring, is the massive amounts of money that are coming from overseas. I mean, here you you always hear about uh, the Russians, the wealthy Russians and even the Greeks now who are escaping to London as a safe haven. Um, but what I see in Hong Kong, where I live, is I see the, uh, the builders coming through on a regular basis, bringing two or three uh, new developments per weekend for sale in, in you know, in major hotels in, in, in Hong Kong are full of these shows. And I think something like um, 30% uh, at times of these developments are being sold in the Far East, largely in Hong Kong and in China. And I don't think that's going to be so enduring. Right now, there's a lot of money. Interest rates are low in, in Hong Kong still. People can get money out of their properties or they're selling properties at very high prices. And they're putting some of the money into London as a hedge. Things can change, so that won't be happening anymore. And if we see the Chinese and other foreigners turn sellers rather than buyers, a very important positive uh aspect in the market will be pulled like a rug right from under the market. Um, The third thing with Jonathan also mentioned is interest rates. These are the lowest in history. Uh, They're incredibly low. And in the last year or so, the percentages that lenders are willing to lend have been picking up as well. I think you can get some pretty interesting deals now at 80 90% loan to value. And that's probably helped to create this last little fill up, this last little rise which to me is nothing more than some pre-Olympics hype. And I think once those Olympics are out of the way, we're going to see rents coming down and we're going to see the rug well and truly pulled on London house prices.
2: (laughs) Can I just, I want want to add, uh, sorry, Dominic, Um, on the subject of lending, um, because Mike's not here, he he may not know, but actually um, pretty well, uh, something like 75% of the market now um, you, you pretty well cannot get a, a, a high loan-to-value interest on the mortgage. Um, essentially, what you're looking at now is normally 50% interest on the mortgage, maybe 75 um, So. Um th- That was a major boost previously uh, to the London market. It has been taken away. Not it's being taken away. It has been taken away. I think uh, uh, Mike's right. The Olympics is uh, the end point.
1: Let me just agree with you. I mean, I think what I'm talking about really is a trickling back in of some of those high percentage loans. Maybe maybe some first-time so buyers were able to get them. Mike, it's
2: small beer. It's like a, a hundred or two hundred million pound availability per deal. Um, they, they are they're just marketing gimmicks. It's not the reality. Okay, thank you. We,
0: we've we've kind of touched on the economy, Jonathan. Do you want to just talk about the economy generally as as we close? Uh, I, I,
2: absolutely. Um, I, I think um, it, it comes down to this. We, we had thirty or forty years of rising debt um, in the West, and then then indeed in the East. Um, And and the level of debt now um, globally is more than we've seen in human history. Um, uh, And we are now in an era of deleveraging. Indeed, um, uh, the ECB um, made some cheap loans to 800 banks uh, in Europe just yesterday. Uh, Just an aside, how come there are 800 banks in Europe? That's just crazy. (laughs) But that's just an aside. Um, and, and these banks have to pay back. They have to deliver €3 trillion euros over the next three years. Now, that is serious deleveraging. Um, and uh, w- what with the collapse of houses all around the world? Uh, and indeed, um, it'll happen in, in Canada, the United Kingdom. Uh, it's already happened in most of the UK uh, and Australia, um, obviously, in most of the EU uh, and in, it's happening in China right now. Um, clearly, that's where a lot of the loans are. Um, but the, you know, just give you an, another historical context here for the UK. Um, the last time the UK had even remotely close to the level of debt that we have now, and yet it was still only about two thirds of what we have now, was two hundred years ago, following the Napoleonic Wars. And you know how we got out of it then. Yeah. Two little things called industrialization and the empire. My point being we 're toast you 're right. <laughs> interest rates are interest rates are not going to rise for a long time because on the face of it, we are all Japanese now, in the sense that we 've got zero interest rates for a long, long time to come um, um, or at least or at least. We have to go through significant deflation before we will get super or hyper inflation. China is in recession as we speak. The EU is in recession. The UK is in recession. And the US would be in recession other than uh, the inventory restocking that took place in the second half of last year. In fact, I believe that the U.S. is probably in recession again. Did you see the durable goods numbers yesterday? Minus 4%. That's most of the global economy in recession as we speak. In essence, we're in an era of deleveraging, which means 20 to 30 years of depression.
1: (laughs)
0: Mike. Go on, save
1: us from the gloom. Well, uh, well, I'll, I'd like to tie together two points—one uh, that each of you made—and then finish with a positive. Uh, finish my comment with a positive one. Um, the two two points I want to focus on is Dom. You mentioned interest rates might stay low for two years, and Jonathan's talking about the debt crisis spreading across Europe. Um, I think one thing that people don't give enough uh, pro- probability. Uh, is the possibility that um, what we saw in Greece and may soon see in Portugal and other countries might spread to the UK. There might be some disruption in the bond market, which will make it, and I know we control our currency here, but um, it may become difficult for the UK government to continue to have low interest rates, uh, especially on bonds. And if... um, You know, if we didn't get quantitative easing uh, from here to eternity and keeping rates low, but instead got a rise in rates, that would put a real nail into the coffin of the uh, property market. So I think we have to be, you know, aware that there might not be two years of low interest rates, especially two more years of low uh, long-term rates. So I'd be careful about that. Um, The positive thing I want to point towards is something I've picked up in the last couple of days Here in the U.K., it was a bit of a surprise, but I see a new sort of meme coming forward. And it seems to me that the government here wants to embrace something positive and move away from talking about austerity. And that new thing they want to embrace um, is the green economy. So I think that's going to be something we're going to be hearing and talking about a lot more in the future. And I like to leave it. Leave end it on okay, that. Okay.
0: Well, let me just uh, let me, uh, Jonathan. Where would you put your money? And Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question, um, as we close.
2: Yeah. Um, well, uh, personally, I, I'm heavily short right now, um, uh, and for our clients, we are um, we are somewhat uh, bearish um, in a. 30 40 50% fall in the stock market this year, if that happens, um, our clients will make just about double digits. We will then move from um, bearish to between mildly and very bullish, depending upon what we see at that point.
0: And if the stock market rises?
2: Um, then um, we, our, uh, our funds are are such position that, um whereas the stock market has risen 20, what is it, 25 percent in the last three months, we, we've gone down a couple of percent. So um, we're just waiting for. I mean, but you have to you have to understand that um, the bull market started in March 2009. Um, that's clearly um, about three years ago. Um, average bull markets are three and three quarter years. But as I say,
1: countries are going bust.
0: Very good. Mike, where would you be investing your money?
1: Well, I'll tell you where I am investing it. Um, I'm largely in cash just right now. Um, I have one property which I'm in the process of selling. Um, And uh, I have a number of, I think, are fairly cheap uh, resource stocks, um, which are now beginning to show some profits. Um, And I'm wondering if... um, If they're going to endure, if we get a gold sell-off, whether they're going to do okay. But I'm holding on to those as a kind of hedge. I've got a little bit of gold, and I'm getting ready to buy puts again. I did have some puts uh, earlier this year, but the last couple of weeks, uh, I've really slimmed that down. My market went a little bit higher than I expected, but I will be buying puts again. So, But the number one position I have is cash. Uh, that cash is um, in Hong Kong dollars and Canadian dollars mostly.
2: Oh, yes. And we, we've also put money into U.S. dollar as well because we like the dollar at the moment.
0: Very good. Well, Jonathan, uh, do you want to give out your website as we close? By the way, I should say I'm a bit more positive than you two. So I want uh, you, the listener, to take uh, some positivity away from this uh, conversation. But Jonathan, uh, where, where, where's uh, where uh, um, what's your website?
2: jonathan davis wm.com wn WM stands for wealth management
0: very good and mike
1: i have two um, domain names that lead to the same site uh, i'll give the, um, the one the one i don't usually give i'll give this time it's greenenergyinvestors.com
0: okay i'm very good and i'm going to close the show ladies and gentlemen with uh, this song that i recorded yesterday which is kind of on topic um, the uh, Words uh, are, by, are by me, and it's sung by Ian Virgo, and uh, I think you'll know who the original was by. Oh. oh
3: baby. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Huh? Listen to this. Mortgage cars, consume my shite. Government spending all through the night Pensions and healthcare and welfare rights Education wars to fight Oh, I love a good war to fight Run up a deficit, ignore the facts Blame someone else, put up tax. tax I can't deny we had a crack But now we gotta pay it back You know what you are, you're bombed take the prudent savers and just give them a squeeze Ow. that's the economics of Keynes. one more time now quantitative easing zero interest rates steal from the future hide the bad mistakes we gotta keep those asset prices high high <laughs> don't matter if the inflation debt bomb debt bomb yeah. you're a debt bomb My investment ooh you turn me on <laughs> a boom caused by excess credit will always bust yeah you've then got two choices to decide you must abandon the addiction the credit lust or the currency collapses